and welcome back to the Irish Tennis Updates podcast. My name is Adam, your host. Just before we get into this week's chat with Barry King, um, a couple of notes. Firstly, um, this year the podcast has been listened to um, by people in 26 different countries, which I think is amazing. And just a big thanks to everyone who has shared, who's listened, um, and I just ask that you continue to do so. Um, a big thanks, it does really help, and hopefully we can uh, continue to grow this uh, next year. Uh, secondly, a couple of, of uh, Irish tennis uh, results to, to bring you. Uh, Oscar O'Hushin just last week uh, was playing an event in Tunisia and had, had one of the best weeks of, of his career to date, uh, qualifying through three qualifying matches uh, to reach the main draw and, and push the, the sixth seed in two tight sets. Um, so really um, promising and strong way to end the year for Oscar. Uh, Roy Keegan was playing some some ITF uh, under eighteen junior events in Pakistan um, this month. He had some some very good success reaching um reaching a, a final and and uh, getting far um each of the weeks he played, uh, so which was his his first ITF final, uh, so a big well done to to Roy and and best of luck. And finally, uh, Carola Bajanaru was in action in various tournaments. In Greece recently, and um, most notably qualifying through um, reaching the second round before losing out 7-5 in the third to the second seed. So some, some strong performances for Corolla as well. Now, uh, on to this week's episode. So I am chatting to Barry King. Barry had a successful junior career in Ireland, spent four years in the University of Notre Dame um, in the US, uh, had a career high of 600 in the world in singles and 4-3-1 in doubles, including three Pro titles. Some of Barry's highlights came in Davis Cup, including winning the deciding match in uh, against Tunisia in 2011. And um, Barry now works in in finance as well as um, being the the tennis director in Westwood Leopardstown. So we, we talk about um, Barry's early days in tennis and um, in particular the the Casey camps and um, the influence they had on on his development. Um, we touched on his time in college, uh, his best moments and, and uh, his struggles on tour. Um, he also also mentions how he's stayed in the world of tennis since, since retiring in 2011 and, and a lot more. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Big thanks for listening. And here we go. Here is Barry King. Hi, so Barry, uh, a big thanks for, for chatting today. Um, if you could pick one superpower, what superpower would you pick and why? Thanks, Adam, for having me on your podcast. You're doing a great job um, updating everyone on Irish tennis um, on the news and um, the current information on coaches and uh, players out there. So well done on all that. Um, superpower I would have would be tennis related. I'd love to be able to leap up uh, three or four feet into the air and, and serve uh, even taller than Ivo Karlovic and able to hit an ace from, from every every corner of the box. Nice one, nice one. It could come in handy, all right. Come in handy and also around the net for any volleys, for any diving volleys, uh, things like that. So a bit, a bit of Karlovic on the serve and a bit of Becker on the, around the net. Brilliant. Um, just to kind of get into your sort of tennis journey, like how, how, did, how did you get into tennis uh, initially? Um, I got into tennis uh, kind of accidentally. I was an energetic, hyperactive kid and um, we used to uh, go for holidays um, we're from Dublin as a family. We used to go to holidays in Leytown, Bettystown. My mom was from Meath, 
and uh, we lived across the road from the tennis club there, Lake Town and Bettystown Tennis Club and the golf club there. And I was a hyperactive kid, sort of my parents wanted me out of the house and uh, I spent all my, every day, every hour, every hour that God sent in the tennis club across the road, uh, just hitting against the wall. I'd, I'd go over there in the morning and I'd kind of spend, be there until 5 or 6 p.m. I'd be there 9 a.m. to 5 or 6 p.m. Just kind of running around, hitting balls and just, uh, just using up all my energy and, and just uh, just hitting with everyone and do and just being around and hit and hitting with anyone I could and just burning off energy really no real structure to it yeah 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 and then as, as you got into coaching um, I know you did some work with 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 the Casey camp so just uh, tell me a little bit about 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 that for you yeah so I started in late town Bettystown and when I came back to Dublin uh, after the summer with my mom um, my mom, so I was really into it. Um, I played my first tournament, under 10 tournament Dundalk. Um, and I was, I was kind of made third place age eight and I had really no tennis baggage, so I loved it and I wanted to go into it. So when I went um, back to Dublin, looked at getting me into tennis clubs, eventually managed to get into Rackard Tennis Club. And I started playing there, got some coaching and uh, made it onto the Leinster squads. And, um, and gradually got better. Uh, I just remember being third in Ireland, um, under ten behind Stevie O'Connor and Paul Brickley. And then it just it, it just gradually kind of took over my life. Um, really, um, I I won the uh, treble, singles, doubles, and mixed doubles in Fitzwilliam under twelve, and uh, the national championships there. And then it really kind of kicked on a gear. I was good at soccer, Gaelic, and tennis. And then at thirteen, I just had to really choose what I was going to go into. And what I was really going to focus on at 13, I chose to focus on tennis. And around this time, um, Paul Casey was was Paul Casey, Owen Casey, Connor Casey were the forefront of uh, Irish tennis. They they ran a Casey camp in Kilternan, uh, four indoor hard courts. I think it was six or eight outdoor Savannah courts, and um, it was a great place to train. It was um, uh, the skiing. Uh, skiing slopes in the backdrop and and the mountains there in Kilternan, so it was a brilliant place to train. And I ended up I ended up really kind of Casey Camp was the focus of my training probably from uh, twelve to sixteen or seventeen. And I um, had it a it was it was tough. Uh, it was innovative training, and it was um, there was a good group of players around my age group who, who were there and uh, pushing themselves and were putting in huge hours uh, i can't remember exactly but i know i was training three or four hours a day um after school uh, maybe four days a week uh, probably uh, 15 16 years old i was also i was in riverview my school was near riverview and, and also fitzwilliam so i was playing tennis i was playing tennis six days a week and i loved it and i i never i wouldn't change anything about it i was energetic and i loved being around it and um i loved the whole scene and competing and I wanted to I wanted to kind of do everything. I did Leinster squad, national squad, Casey camp, but Casey camp was the focus of, was the real focus of my training. Like Paul was my, was, was a coach and he was really focused on the technical side and um, really learning how to serve and learning how to play and learning the tactics and learning how to construct points and, um, you know, his base was Spanish drills and what decisions to make on the court, when to change direction, uh, when to when to just be solid, when to be consistent. He had, a, you know, all these different strategies around uh, certain points in the match, whether it was 30-all, 40-30. And it was, it was really, really, uh, they were kind of Paul, 
own and kind of were kind of ahead of their time. Um, at the time they were ahead of their time, it was the late 90s. Owen was just off the tour. He was had been 200 in the world, so it was great to have him around. And it was a really, really good setup. They, a lot of, um, a lot of, they produced a lot of scholarship US players, Davis Cup players. And um, it was it was a great place to train. I was, my group was Garrett Doran, uh, Barry Fagan, Shane Travers, um, and Colin O'Brien a little bit. Uh, he was there. He was there between there and the, the Nugent, the Nugent camp. Um, so it was a really, 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 really innovative and tough environment. Um, there was skipping, uh, running mountains, and there were tough drills. Paul brought the teaching methods from Japan, uh, from uh, Hiroshi Miyamura's um, set up there. And he, and he was really, really innovative. It was uh, in terms of learning to volley, videoing matches, charting, analyzing exams on, on rituals. Uh, you know the 30 seconds you use in between points and it was um it was just it was really really uh tough but it was enjoyable it was a good group bouncing off each other and the, the goal was at the, around that point 15 16 the, i was i was getting better I, I was i was getting better and the goal was uh, i didn't know how good i good i was the goal was the goal was a lot of the guys ahead of me john Dorn, nicky malone um, we're going to college in the U.S. and that kind of seemed to be the route that everyone was going. Um, when I was 16, I was I was showing good potential. I, I beat Nicky Malone. He was a good college player, and I, I was playing number one for Ireland, the Four Nations under 18, and I was at a at quite a good level. Um, won two of my matches there, two out of three. Paul was my coach there, and I was at quite a good level. Um, from from that from my point of view, then. From there, looking back, I was I was at a very good level. I don't know if I I don't know in college if I ever if I was I don't know if in, in college if I was nearly if I was quite as good as I was at sixteen. At sixteen, I was very very good. Um, uh, you know, I was I was at a, at a high level, and I was um, part of that was the training I was doing with Paul and Kiltiran and Camp. I was hitting with players a lot older than me. I was hitting with Peter Clark from Riverview. And I do, Peter Clark was 200 in the world. And then I do, um, I do the Casey camp and the fitness training there and, um, and work on the technical side with Paul, like pronation on serve, all these various drills. So it was, I was, I had a really good grounding in, in tennis. Like I had a really strong grounding in tennis and I was, um, I would have been, would have been on a good level at 16. And um, I went on trips, ITF trips with Paul, uh, to Morocco and Tunisia um, in clay and tough, incredible experience. It was brutal heat there. Uh, Marcos Bagdanis was a standout player there. The great learning experience. Paul was very tough and intimidating, um, a very tough and intimidating coach, uh, but he was, um, he, he got the best out of his players. Uh, people, he was intimidating, but he was, he was very good. You know, he, he was, had an aura around him, but it was, it was all positive. Um, so, so I did, I did Casey camp um, from 12 to age 17. I got a, I got a bad elbow injury in May 02. It was a golfer's elbow. Uh, we couldn't really figure out what it was. It was the inside of the elbow and I was out for about a year. And I couldn't really figure it out. After I got that injury, I um, wasn't really able to play at all. Um, so then I had the leaving cert and I, I studied for leaving. So I said, right, I'm going to go to the, the US college route. Um, and I looked at a few options, uh, looking at Ivy League schools, Princeton and Columbia and Notre Dame. And uh, after the recruiting trip to Notre Dame, 
um, I was sold on that really with the mixture of academics and tennis. Very good. Uh, so just looking back on my on my junior career, I I I I did a lot of traveling from when I was under twelve. I was on the Harry Barnable under twelve team with Paul Brickley. Um, I went to uh, tournaments there, Guildford and Woking in England. I, I went to France uh, World Championships under twelve with Paul Brickley again. I remember Richard Gasquet was there. He was the winner. He was ten years old and he won the under twelve tournament. He was he was a small little kid. He was so much better than everyone else. He was ridiculous talent. I remember my mom was and dad were on the trip. My mom was saying he was back speed, power, accuracy, and consistency. He had the one-handed backhand. He was hitting winners a couple of feet behind the baseline, and it was just incredible talent. It was just he was just night and day better than everyone when he was when he was uh, there at, at ten years old at this World Championship. So I knew I knew I had a good exposure from when I was young under twelve. I knew how good the international players were, and I knew I was behind the eight ball a little bit even at twelve in Ireland. You know, so uh, I remember I remember I think it was Declan Bray. Declan Bray was the coach. In France, I remember he was saying that he thought uh, Gasquet would be number one under 16. Number one at 16, under 18, maybe. He, he, was, he was so good at the time. And then I went on a trip to another trip under 12 with Paul Brickley, French trip. Remember, it was in Halloween and it was Thomas Burdage was there. It was on red clay. So really another great experience and um, grateful for my parents. Really, looking back, sacrificed a lot for me at a young age to have these international experiences. They were awesome. Um, and there was a, there was two girls in the team, Emma Heffern and Eva Turner, and there was myself and Paul Brickley, and they were just uh, very amazing to look back at now, really to to realise the trips I got, I went on there, and the experience I had, it was incredible. And then um, from under fourteen, I also went, I went to Poland and Slovakia, the Eastern European trip with Jim Watt. It was a, a group of us, I think it was two or three boys and girls again on red clay. Bagdadis and Burdic were there huge talents and you could, they were just, we were all good, but they were just a year ahead in terms of what they were doing with the ball and how big they were hitting it. And you could just see that they were just, they just had talent. They just had their hands, their, their overall ability was just, just it, it was just there to see, it was so obvious. And then um, the other trips, the strip that stood out for me uh, was the one I mentioned before, playing the Four Nations under 18, September 01. Uh, beating David Brewer, who was, went on to be number eight in the world, uh, under 18 ITFs, uh, beating Wales, lost to England. And Andy Murray was there at a different venue playing number one for Scotland under 14. So I, I, was, in the, I, was, in the, I was in the mix there. I was in the right, certainly in the right place uh, when I was there around 16. And that was probably about uh, eight or nine months before I got that serious elbow injury. So I was, I, I had a, had a, a lot of travel from when I was young, around 12 years old. I had uh, Garrett Dorn was my peer. He went on to uh, play at Harvard and um, John Dorn was always around. John was seven years older than us and he was a kind of a mentor to Garrett and, and I a little bit. And um, so I had, I, had a, I had good people, I had good people around me. I had a good, uh, very good tennis upbringing. I eventually figured the elbow injury out. I think it was maybe after my after after the leaving cert was done, and I started, I played the summer of 03. I won Fitzwilliam National Championships in 2003, under 18. Uh, I think I beat Stephen O'Connor in the quarterfinals, James McGee in the semis, and then Morgan Dunn in the final. Uh, I remember me and McGee was a, a corner court in Fitzwilliam. It was lashing rain, and I remember I remember. Uh, 
Paul was there watching that match in the in the in the corner there. So I have strong memories of that and winning winning Fitzwilliam National under 18s rounded off my on a tennis career and then I went off to the college in the US since another day. Yeah, very good. No, I think it's 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 great to hear, especially those you know, the trips you got to take. Um, you know, abroad, what you say, seeing the likes of, of Gasquet, of Burditch, you know, all those experiences I think are you know, they they'd set you up so well for I guess going into college and then going on, on to further things in tennis. I would just add there, looking back, if I were to say, right, how could I have how could I have uh, not lost a step with those guys and kind of made it onto the tour and uh, and maxed out in the tennis wise and not on the US college route? It would be it would be if particularly in fourth year if I spent I would have liked to have spent two years in Spain, uh, 15, 16, 17 on red clay and just uh, see how good I was at 17, 18 and and then and then kind of go from there and, and then maybe, you know, do what some people did, the likes of Paul Morris, he do, do the leaving cert in one year and then and then head off to college in the States, but wasn't quite at that top level. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just before we go on to, to touch on your time in college, what do you think was the biggest thing that you you learned from from your days in junior tennis? I was always kind of the man to beat in my age group. So like it was hard for me because I always had a lot of pressure playing matches. So it was always like I, I was I, I didn't miss. I was always really solid. I was always the man to beat in, in playing my age groups in these tournaments. So like like playing the matches, I was a bit hamstrung. I, I didn't like I just was really solid. I didn't like missing. Um, I, I didn't, I would have, I would have liked to, I probably, as I said to you, I, I highlighted maybe five or six international trips there. I would have liked to have done 15 or 20 over my six or seven years of junior career. But my dad, my dad was a taxi driver and my mom was a housewife. So I have to be realistic, like me traveling around the world <laughs> in tennis, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old and going to a private school. I got a lot, you know, I'm very happy with, with it. The, the sacrifices they made were incredible so i can't i can't really complain like i i i you know everyone would have loved to be in everyone would love to be in top 50 in the world and play grand slams and everything but i i, I got it i got my parents put a lot into me and uh, i got a great great experience from it yeah yeah absolutely uh, just just then to, to touch on onto your time in, in u.s college um you mentioned that you went to to, to notre dame um how, how did that kind of when you got there, when you got settled in, how did that compare to, to what you expected based maybe on, on the trip or based on what you'd heard about, from other people about, about, about U.S. college? It, it, was a, it was a little bit, it was just a little bit strange in the sense that I was, um, at that point, it was like, there was just so much to take in. It was just so much to take in in terms of the, the, the whole, like how big the college was, the, the scene there, and, and just trying to figure it all out, how... Um, the academic side and the tennis side. But I was it's the number one business school in America. I was the first Irish tennis guy there. I think I think there was someone there, Owen Byrne, in the, in the late 1980s. I was the first Irish guy there in 20 years. So it was um, it was I was trying to kind of get myself right and trying to get myself fit. I hadn't because of the leaving sort of hadn't played that much tennis going over there. So I had a, a rumor had a wrist injury. The first semester and I was trying to make sure I made the lineup and and trying to juggle all that and then I, I eventually kind of uh, started at five number five in the lineup my my freshman year and I was I was not playing to be honest I was not playing as well as I was when I was 16 when I was kind of 
uh, in the Casey camp with Paul and and uh, and then I, I was hitting with Peter Clark in interview. And I, I, when I was playing the first year at Notre Dame, was just trying to, I was just trying to kind of figure it out, make it into the lineup. And like I hadn't played pro for a year before college in the states. I was like, for example, I know Conan Island people that other people played for a year pro before they played college tennis. Played a lot of futures. I hadn't played that many futures. Coach Bobby Bayless, uh, we had a long period of recruiting. He came to visit. Ireland the year before I went over there and uh, he, he uh, my goal was to, to, to fit in, make it work. And he, he was, he didn't really recruit international students. So he had myself and Arakliak Fridiani, a Georgian, um, Georgian kid over there who trained in Austria. He's originally from Georgia, but he trained in Austria and he had the two of us there and we were trying, uh, he had international kids and he was trying to embed us with, with a group really of primarily Americans. So um, it was, the team was not great at the time. They were ranked about 50 in the country. So it was, it was a little bit strange time to come into Notre Dame. They were good. They were like 15 in the country a year or two before, but they weren't strong when I came in. So I, I, I was five in the team and um, that was my freshman year. And it was all, a lot of it was all about settling in and kind of feeling comfortable there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, just so from those years in um, in college there, what, what what best memories do you look back at from, from that time, either either tennis or or otherwise? The the, the best me- the, the the best memories looking back on that experience would be uh, working. You know, we we're team ranked fifty in the country. We 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 went all the way up to top five in the country my last year. We ranked as high as number four. We finished at number six, and the team I think it was the best team. They've had in, in in the last 25 years in the program. The, the team has to be ranked uh, as high as that since I left, certainly. And I think that the 1992 team was was slightly better than that. They made the final of the NCAA's. Um, so working my way up with that team uh, was was the highlight. Top five in the country. Um, I played as high as number one doubles and number two singles at at some points over the four years. I, I was top hundred in the, the NCAA singles rankings, top 20 in doubles. We had a great team and a great group of guys, great nucleus of guys. Ryan Keckley went on to be the head coach at the University of San Diego. Stephen Bass, who's an All-American, he beat uh, Kevin Anderson and John Isner senior year. Shiva Parbu, he was an All-American as well. So we had a very, very strong team. Um, the other highlight would have been a finished on a huge high with the all-time single season record for doubles wins. And I was tied second of all time for, for season singles, season singles and doubles wins. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I had a really strong senior year, um, a really strong senior year. I was playing, I was playing number four uh, singles and number three doubles. Um, the team was very strong. We had two All-Americans. I would have liked to, I would have liked to have played higher up the lineup. Um, at one point, probably my second, third year, you know, it looked like I could get up to, to, to maybe one in the team, uh, Stephen Bass, Kind of took off. He was third year, and he he kind of went to another level over over everyone else. So I was, um, I was I played two or three my two or three my sophomore year, then my um, then my junior year I had shoulder tendonitis, struggled with my serve. I was played played. I started at two or three and moved down to four or five, and then my senior year, I was primarily at number four, and um, it was a, it was a very strong team. And I, as I said to you. I think it's the, the best team uh, they've had in the past uh, 
25 to 28 years since the 92 team in terms of in terms of uh, ranking in terms of ranking yeah, very good. I, met, yeah. I made great friends there. I still have, have a huge professional network from there. I'm still heavily involved with Notre Dame and Notre Dame Club of Ireland. And it's been great to see some other Irish tennis people follow my footsteps heading over to Notre Dame, like Sonal Fitzgerald on the men's side. Uh, my brother, also Graham King, he went there a couple of years after me. He played on the, he was on the tennis team. He didn't make the lineup, but he, he was on the team there for four years. And then there was Jane Fenley on the women's side. So. I like to think that I created a bit of a pipeline there for Irish people to follow my footsteps and go to Notre Dame. Yeah, very good. Uh, so when you finished up then in, in, in Notre Dame, how ready did you feel to go onto the programme? How was that transition for you in, into the programme? Um, I, yeah, when I finished playing, I was, when I finished college in Notre Dame, I, as I said, I finished on a high um, I still, uh, I still kind of felt that I'd unfinished business with tennis. So I, I wanted to play. I wanted to kind of at least play Davis Cup and and kind of and kind of round that out and round that side of my life out. Um, I got. I was playing summer tournaments in 2007. I got an injury in summer 07. I, I tore my pectoral muscle, which meant that I couldn't serve. Um, so it, it was a bad injury, um, bad muscle injury. And I couldn't serve, so we could. I, I, it was it was tough. It was tough going. So I worked in, I worked in finance for a year, and I coached tennis at the weekend. Uh, the tennis book still hadn't gone at that, at, by the summer of, of 08. and I beat Conan Island there in the in the Irish Close in Donnybrook, um, and then before losing in the final to Owen Hebe. And I decided I decided to go on tour after that. Ireland was about 250 in the world playing qualies at Grand Slams, so I decided that. He was Irish number one, I think. He was in around Irish number one, and he, he was uh, he was kind of two fifty and one. I decided to go on tour and and target Davis Cup and getting as high up the rankings as, as I could in singles and doubles. So, um, you know, I had worked for a year beforehand, and I had finances that I had to, that, that I'd earned to play, and so I was I was excited about playing. I DCU DCU was was my base, um, was my training base when I was. Playing full time, Gary was there. Uh, it was a good setup. Gary Cal was there. It was a good setup. There was a gym. Um, there was ice baths. Um, uh, there was a good structure in place. Um, there was a good training base. A good group of pros training there at the time. Uh, Nyland, uh, James McGee was there sometimes. Colin O'Brien, uh, Sam Barry was sixteen or seventeen. Uh, Tristan Farmahan, James Kluski uh, when, when he when he finished at LSU. And there was a good group. It was a good structure, and I uh, I enjoyed really enjoyed I enjoyed the training there. The, the the landscape looking back, the landscape in Irish tennis at the time was was a limited number of professional tournaments. It was a financial recession, and Ireland and Sorensen were you know a good leap above me in singles. It, it, I was it was a difficult decision for me to make, uh, but I'm comfortable comfortable with, with stopping then. I would have liked to have played a Grand Slam uh, like Nyland, Sorensen and McGee and McGee made, but I'm proud and comfortable with what I achieved in tennis from Ireland. Um, you know, uh, looking back on it all, um, I, I played, as you say, I played guys like Giles Muller and Davis Cup, won the first set, one of a packed crowd in the review. And I, um, I won uh, Davis Cup, my Davis Cup debut doubles match with James McGee beating uh, top 100 guy, Marcel Lillehan. So, you know, I had big wins. I proved I could play with those guys and I proved that I could uh, I could mix it at, at Davis Cup. You know, I could have done, I didn't move that well and I didn't, I didn't, 
I wasn't that talented, but I, I was so, a solid serve and was a solid ground, a solid ground strokes. Um, I could have could have had maybe any more, you know, variety to my game and been a more bit more of a net player. But I, I was comfortable comfortable with what I achieved. And as I said, I think I could have been done better in doubles. Uh, but I, I'm happy enough the way it all worked out. Yeah, yeah, and it's good to hear. And just. If you, what, what was kind of the, the hardest thing about about uh, playing playing pro tennis? Like, what, what was the biggest challenge for you in that? It was a hard two or three years in the sense that constantly analysing yourself, constantly analysing whether, uh, constantly beating yourself up a little bit out there on your own, on the money you're spending. Um, am I I'm doing the right thing here, being out here? Is this going to be all worthwhile? There's so many sacrifices that you're making. It's a huge financial cost of playing. And um, just beating my taking a loss, taking a loss out in somewhere like Turkey, you know, losing seven six seven six in the first round of the future to like a really really good player, um, and and playing so well and playing great tennis for three hours and it's searing heat and you and you lose in the first round and it's you know you you know you're doing well and you know you're you're, you're doing a good job but you're far, very far away from where you need to be. You know, to kind of fulfill your goals. So that, that was tough. But having said that, having said that, um, it was lucky that I was kind of an Irish, an Irish pro. There's a few of us doing it, and it was great to, it was great support and great to play Davis Cup. And I would have done, come back, I would have done certain things differently to get the most out of out of my game and 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 that. But uh, it's, it's tough getting, it's tough taking the losses on the road. It's tough taking the losses uh, on the road and. Uh, Kind of coming home if you I was living at home with my parents and uh, tough taking the losses and picking up a, a check for a hundred or two hundred euro playing a future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just to touch on onto Davis Cup, um, you mentioned um, that one of your your biggest highlights was was that tie against Tunisia. But but for the for that first Davis Cup for you, how did it feel to be uh, selected for the team for the first time? Yeah, it was a very strong team at the time. Sorensen, Nyland, uh, McGee, and myself. McGee and I playing doubles in Fitzwilliam. It was it was good. It was it, it was it was nice to to uh, kind of finally get the Davis Cup cap, play live matches, win win at that level, and uh, it it was nice. Like I wasn't setting the world alight internationally, but for me it was nice to to get to that level and play Davis Cup and uh, and to kind of tick that box. I have to put in perspective, Adam. Like I'm a big Irish sports fan, so like you know, you see Brian O'Driscoll, what he did in Irish rugby with Leinster in Ireland. Johnny Sexton, who kind of grew up with me in Rakar when I started playing with Leinster Ireland Alliance. You see Harrington winning three majors. Shane Lowry recently, what he's done with the British Open. So like, yeah, I I I I did quite well, but you know, I was. A good Irish player. Uh, I I would have liked to have done more. I would have liked to have set my goals, raised my goals, and set my bar higher when I was 15 or 16. It was always kind of drilled into me that it was very hard to make it from Ireland to be top 100. Nobody had ever done it. It was hard to make a living out. It was always drilled into me that it's so hard to make it from Ireland and to, and to, it's almost impossible to do the leaving cert and make it and figure it all out. So I would have liked to have set set my goals slightly different than. Surrounding myself with a with a slightly not not better training base had a really good training base but just change the mindset a little bit just change them try and change the mindset a little bit try and tap into Irish golf or Irish boxing or or Leinster rugby 
and just uh, at the time and just try and change the mindset a little bit. That's really interesting you say that, yeah. Um, and just on that, uh, Davis Cup tie in 2011 against Tunisia, uh, when you won the, the deciding. Robert, how do you look back on that match and on that weekend? Oh, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's it, it, like I have to put it in perspective, like talking to, talking to say, family members, you know, I have a, uh, my wife's cousin is an Olympics. It was an Olympic swimmer. Um, he he was uh, number one in Ireland Olympic swimmer. He's Irish records. Um, uh, and then there's um, you know people. Uh, one of my one of her cousins is number one or two in Ireland in table tennis. But for me, it was it was for me it was a personal thing. When the deciding match, uh, I still think of it every day. Uh, and you know, hitting certain shots and having the Irish flag and celebrating my folks. And it, yeah, it was it's it's massive, massive, massive at the time meant a huge amount. But you know, you move on and you, you look back at fond memories. I don't like dwelling. I try not to dwell on it, dwell on that stuff too much. I'm trying to you try and improve yourself every day, and you try and use these positive experiences to improve yourself in other areas of life and and to be a better person every day. Yeah, but it was it was it was incredible uh, at the time. Nyland uh, made played main draw Wimbledon, the first Irish guy in whatever it was thirty so years to qualify for main draw Wimbledon. I was playing two singles behind him, and it was Irish tennis is just, is a little kind of bubble. But at the time, it felt like we were doing good for for, for Irish tennis people. So that's that was that was something to be proud of at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier, kind of as it came to, to around 2011, and um, when you you decided to to retire from from pro tennis, you, know, you mentioned a few of the reasons for that. But was there a moment when things kind of built up and you you decided that it was time to to throw in the pro rackets? It was just, I just didn't see like James McGee at the time was it was said on 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 continuing the pro life and and trying to get the most out of, and he was going to move, move to the US and train out there and go that route. And I, I just didn't, I didn't see myself doing that. I felt I was going to leverage my, my degree from Notre Dame and my finance experience and just take what I had achieved in tennis and move into, and move into the working world. I, 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 I definitely, I could have definitely could have been better. Um, you know, I was, I, I definitely was there, thereabouts with McGee. Um, I, I could have, Potentially gone that route and tried to be Irish number one and play a slam and base myself out in the US when I was 26 and gone that route. And um, but I, I took a different route. I went into finance. I met my wife when I was 27 and um, the, my future wife when I was 27, and and that's that's where it took me. So um, I I certainly did things my own way, as my mom always said to me. Certainly done things your own way when I was finishing playing tennis. Um, I, I just was a, a rocky road. It was up, down, everywhere, rocky road. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes it was tough. Sometimes uh, I would have loved to play the slam, but I, I'm happy with my body work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so you then move, as you said, you move kind of into the world of finance when you retire from, from pro tennis. Like what fuels do you think you got from tennis that helped you when you moved into, into that kind of, um, into, into the finance world? A kind of a, a ruthless mindset, a ruthless, a ruthless mindset, and then kind of reading people, reading people, and being able to, being able to read people quickly. 
um, of being able to, to read read people's intentions uh, quickly, mm-hmm. and um, and there's a certain respect for being kind of international sportsman and and, and doing relatively well on, on the global stage. Um, you know, people know tennis is a tough global sport, so um, there's a there's a certain respect for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I was also I played a few events. I played a, a finance cup event in 2016, 2019, alternated between uh, the US and Europe every year. Uh, John, I did this event with John Doran since 2016, and then Stuart Doyle joined us in 2019 uh, before COVID hit. Okay, so that, that's kind of a way to to, to cross over your, your worlds of, of tennis and finance. Oh, brilliant, brilliant way to do it. And um, there's a shared experience there the shared journey, the tennis community is very small and uh, people look out for each other, um, whether it's from, whether they went the US route or they went uh, straight to the futures and the challengers um, and, 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 or the top hundreds. Uh, there's some Grand Slam winners there, the finance cup, the likes of Richie Rennenberg, um, former world number one is Alex O'Brien, some re- really quality players there. I, I would have been, you know, middle of the pack, like, very much middle of the road there in terms of my achievements. So it was, it's nice to be involved and uh, at that level. I know in 2019, you moved very much back into the, the world of tennis um, when you, you started the, the role as uh, performance director in Westwood Leopardstown. So how was that for you to, to come back into tennis after a few years um, more in finance? Yeah, I, I was so the, I'm a lead tennis program director um, at the moment in Westwood Leopardstown. There's a, um, um, I, set up an elite a tennis academy there. I just wanted to get back involved, trying to improve junior tennis in Ireland and the overall infrastructure. And just, um, <coughs> there's two domes up there, two, uh, two domes, 14 indoor courts, and um, there's huge potential up there. So I wanted to get back involved a little bit. I, I know tennis will always be part of my life and um, and it's, it's nice to be back involved and, and helping out a little bit. Yeah. Um, what do you see as kind of the changes in, in Irish tennis, you know, in the years since since you were playing? How, how do you think things have changed? Um, I'm not I'm not involved in. I've I've been out of it. Um, I I was Davis Cup team coach 2016 to 18. I did that with Connor Connor Island, and um, I kind of was helping out the the next generation. And I I, I, I obviously know like. I know James McGee and, and Dave O'Hare and Sam Barry very well, and, and they were kind of the nucleus of the team in 2017. Uh, Bulgaria 2017 stood out for me, clinching promotion in Bulgaria. It was extremely tough conditions, and, and beating Bulgaria in the playoff was, was, was a huge win. It was tough, tough conditions all week. The weather conditions, the, we had, there was problems with the floodlights during the week. Everything was against us, but I, I loved the buzz of it. And uh, for, for me, for me, for me, I just I'd like to see see tennis just more in the mainstream of, of the Irish media and, and the Irish sporting psyche. So I, I'd like to see you know more. I'd love to see more uh, pro tournaments. Uh, you know, with COVID now, obviously, it's very difficult. This is just not happening in the short term, without someone someone really up there at the highest level. But uh, I'd like to just see more more pro tournaments, uh, more uh, and, uh, ATP 250 challengers and futures would be great. Um, at some point, just to see it more in the mainstream of Irish sport, you know, trying to, along with golf, along with Irish golf, um, and and kind of a couple of the other sports, that'd be great to see at some point. 
Yeah, how do you think that could be done to bring tennis more into the, the mainstream here in Ireland? What do you think needs to change for that to, to be the case? I see it hard to I see it hard to to gonna go to get into the mainstream. You know, I, I feel, feel like it's gonna be hard because I feel like it's um just looking at what we've got got at the moment, the junior side, um I I feel like it's going to be hard to to break into the stranglehold that rugby, Gaelic, and soccer have on the Irish sporting side. Um, I just feel like it's going to be, it's a tough uphill battle. Um, um, I feel like a pro tournament every year would be great, obviously, uh, but if there's not Irish person up there, uh, how worthwhile a financial investment is it? Would it be? You know, if we don't have someone in the top twenty or fifty, well, how worthwhile is it having an ATP two fifty on? Um, you know, yeah, we'll put tennis in the, in the, you know, in the kind of focal focus point of the Irish media for a week. But you know, with with rugby players playing for the Lions, winning European trophies, Irish golfers winning majors. Uh, you know, Conor McGregor, most famous sporting, one of the most famous sporting celebrity in the world. It, it, I just, I just think it's hard to capture the attention. You know, unless you've got. Unless you've got a, a big, huge talent coming through, like a sissy pass from Greece, uh, like a Baghdadis in my time from Cyprus, a Dimitrov from Bulgaria, Murray from Scotland, just a big talent who, who just who comes through. And it doesn't matter where he comes from or his tennis infrastructure or what service he's grown up on, that he's going to make it anyway. Just a huge talent. Like there was no one in my generation who had a huge talent that you said, oh, this guy's... If this guy maxes out his talent, he's going to he's going to be top twenty or top fifty. There's no one in my lifetime of tennis where I was like, this guy's just this guy's just like like how I described Gasquet when I when I saw him when he was ten years old. There was no one in that in that realm at all. It was all hardworking, great families, good kids, good academic workers, wanted to get the best out of the tennis journey. But there's there's been no super talents uh, I've seen, and there's been no I haven't seen any super talents. Since I've got back involved in in the Tennessee, so I've seen you know a lot of the similar my generation hard workers, solid from both sides. I don't see like big big talents where they can they can just you know rip through someone like you see Sissipas coming out at eighteen or nineteen and he's he's got the one hander and he's um, he's ripping balls and he's uh, coming into the net. He's got an all round game. And I just don't, I don't see that, see, see that anything like that at the moment. You know, if, if I don't, I think it's possible to make it from here if you have the talent and you know the family upbringing behind you. But I, I don't see uh, a super talent around at the moment. You know, it's, it's interesting. I agree with with that. That it does take. You know, you need. It'll obviously it's a big help to have a player with a lot of success that will then help bring tennis into the media. That that's kind of it's almost chicken and egg, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, you know, just uh, Mario, appreciate your time. Um, just have a, a couple more questions for you before we, we finish up. Um, I'd like, like to go into a, a quick fire round. So some 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 quick answers, quick questions, um, fire through a few. So it, you ready? Go ahead, Adam. Yep. Uh, serve or return? Return. Forehand or backhand? Um, backhand. Uh, indoor or outdoor? Indoor. Um, long juice or short juice? Uh, long juice. Your favorite tournament and why? Favorite tournament to play would be um, Davis Cup. Uh, favorite surface. Favorite surface would be uh, indoor, indoor hardcourt. 
Um, play let's or not? Uh, don't play let's. Old school on that. Yeah. Uh, tennis or finance? Uh, tennis. One real change you would make to tennis? Um, I would uh, try and make it more entertainment based. I'd get rid of the the five minute warm up. I'd get rid of the line judges and I'd uh, try and uh, interact the crowd more with the with the players. Good. Um, one piece of advice you would give your, your younger self if you could go back in time? Surround yourself with positive people. Uh, with you know, making it in sport from Ireland is tough. Surround yourself with positive people. Um, you know, good people, and try and have a, have a good team around you of, of positive energy, of positive people around you. I think from hearing from particularly from James McGee, anytime I met up with him when he was on the Challenger Tour and, and over in the US playing Challengers, he said always say to me it's a game of teams and mindset it's about having good people around you and having a good mindset every day going from week to week traveling to these places and trying to and trying to produce at the higher level so i would try and say have positive people around you and a good training environment that you enjoy going into train every day and it's you're 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 developing not just in the tennis world but you're developing your personality you're developing your social skills you're developing all these other things that are going to stand you in the in the rest of your life, Stanty in the rest of your life, outside yeah. outside the tennis court, which is so important that you you're able to flourish outside. You can you can talk about any area of life. You're well rounded, and that you that you've you know you a strong person uh, coming out coming out of the the tennis bubble. Yeah, yeah, and and finally, your favorite thing about tennis. Favorite thing about it will be the one on one one on one battles. Uh, the one on one battle. The fact that you can't uh, talk to anyone and the fact it's all on you and it's all on you. There's nowhere to hide. You can't pass the ball anyone. You can't blame someone else. It's all on you. It's, it's up to you whether you're going to get the job done. You can't blame anyone else when, when, you're, when you're finished with it. You know, so it's, it's totally individual. It's, it's very, it's developed some selfish traits, but it, it's all about you. Um, yeah, it's very uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I think, Barry, we will, we will leave it there. Taking up enough of your your time today and um, a big thanks for for coming on for talking today we really, really enjoyed that getting and some of the insights so yeah a big thanks uh, all the best to you thanks adam for having me on uh, well done on all you on what you're doing updating everyone about irish tennis um uh, you're, you're obviously into it so well done on that and thanks for having me on thanks thanks very much big thanks once again to barry king for his time and um, really enjoyed chatting i hope you enjoyed that chat as well a big thanks to everyone for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, I'd, I'd encourage you to uh, to like, uh, to leave a review, uh, to share to share the podcast with anyone that you think might might also enjoy it. If you're listening to this um, as, as it goes out, I hope you have a good Christmas, a safe Christmas. Also, hope that you are enjoying um, playing tennis at the moment while we we are allowed to. So. That is all from me. Until the next episode, I've been Adam and goodbye.